0: Destination Earth Part 10, lights in the sky. The Grey Mothership in orbit around planet Earth was getting ready to fire its deadly weapon through the time gate. Spin and Jenna stood on Eve's bridge, staring at the viewport.
1: Look, the
2: Tecran North is getting ready to fire. The glowing green bomb is emerging from the hatch. We have to do something. But what? Does Eve have weapons? I'll take a look. We need to find a way to interrupt the energy beam from the sun. That will shut off the time gate. The ship has defence cannons, but most of them were damaged in the asteroid field. There is a bay of fighters in sublevel 1. Uh, they'll have launched the bomb before I get there. If we had something that we could fire... I've got it! We'll use one of the colony pods. If we shoot it directly at the beam, it will interrupt the energy flow to the time gate. Where are you going? Let me know what they're doing with the communicator. I'm taking the ground car to the central hub.
1: The bomb is charging. They're about to fire.
2: I'm at the central hub. Hurry! I'll have to pick a pod that is pointing directly at the energy beam. This one. Too late. The bomb's on its way. I'm launching the pod. The pod is away. It's flying towards the energy beam.
1: The bomb is almost at the gate.
2: The pod has interrupted the beam.
1: Just in time. It cut off the power supply time gate collapsed just as the bomb passed through. It impacted harmlessly on the ice planet. I guess it doesn't work in the cold.
2: We won't get lucky a second time.
1: (laughs) The Taycran North is releasing a swarm of fighters. They're heading right for us. Spin! Spin, do you read me?
2: Garvey! Great to hear your voice! Where are you? How did you get here?
1: I'll explain
3: later. We've recovered Adam and activated his weapon systems.
2: We're in a bit of a fix here. Do you think you can help us out?
3: What's in it for me? Well,
2: fame and glory is the saviour of the human race.
3: Sounds good. There's a
2: swarm of great fighters heading towards us. Can you keep them busy?
3: We'll try. Professor, aim for those fighters. Target's locked.
1: I can see Adam spin. Panels in his hull are sliding back, revealing a battery of cannons.
2: They're firing.
3: Direct hit first wave is obliterated.
2: Garvey, keep an eye out for the mothership.
3: I'll do what I can. It's getting ready to fire another bomb.
2: You have to stop the bomb from passing through the time gate. I'll try to get into one of Eve's fighters.
3: You think you can f*** with my home world? The grey mothership is out of range, but look, I'll try to hit
0: that relay station. Without power, the time gate will collapse. Garvey brought Adam to full throttle, moving him ever closer to the Teh Grand Noth, but they were too late. The mothership fired its second bomb. As it approached the time gate, Professor Anderton, who had stationed himself on Adams Bridge, directed a barrage of laser fire at the relay station. A direct hit!
3: Too late. The bomb is passing through the time gate. We've failed! No, we haven't. How do you know? We're still here. Had the bomb gone back in time, we would have disappeared in a space time paradox. I must have hit the relay station just as the bomb went through. I, I noticed a momentary flicker in the time gate. If the relay station controls the gate, the laser fire may have disrupted their computer, sending the bomb to a completely different time period.
0: Anderton's analysis was correct. In fact, the bomb had suddenly dropped from the sky above a lush rainforest 66 million years before Homo sapiens ever walked the earth. It landed in the soft grass in an area that would much later be named Mexico, wiping out the dinosaurs and posing a riddle that future paleontologists would never solve. But back to our heroes. In orbit around future Earth, the battle for human survival was far from over. The Tecran Loth fired again. Just in time, Garvey had moved Adam between the Green Bomb and the Time Gate. The deadly sphere broke through the viewport of one of the colony pods and collided with the far wall. It fed on the mold and other biomatter that had grown within. As it reached critical mass, the wave of death began to spread through the ship.
3: Professor, come back to the blizzard now. The bomb hit Adam. I'm on my way. I'm climbing up the ladder. Hurry up, Professor. Adam's hull is compromised. The ship is depressurizing. Almost there. Ah, ah, I'm being sucked down! Hold on! I'm coming! Uh, Too late, Garvey! I'm here! Give me your hand! I'm closing the airlock! We have to take off before the bomb wave jumps to the blizzard! I'm on it!
0: Garvey returned to the blizzard's cockpit and started the engines. They left the infected colony ship behind and engaged the grey fighters that were homing in on them. Meanwhile, Spin had reached Eve's flight deck. The fighters were ancient, they hadn't seen action in eons, and yet, they were in surprisingly good condition.
2: Jenna, I've reached the fighter bay. Set Eve on a collision course with the relay station. I'll try to stuff something down that bomb hatch. And what's that? Myself.
0: Sven took a spacesuit from a locker in the wall, got into the nearest fighter and launched it into space. Do you read
2: me, Garvey? Loud and
1: clear.
2: I'm in a rusty piece of crap fighter. Try to keep those greys away from me. You're
1: joking. They're buzzing around me like a swarm of angry bees.
2: Good. I might get to the Taycran North unnoticed. The mothership has fired another bomb at the time gate. Guess I'll have to go after it.
0: Suddenly, everything went very fast. The bomb passed through the time gate, but so did Spin, who wrestled every last bit of speed from the old fighter's engines. Two greys spotted him and followed him through the gate. Just as they had passed through, Jenna crashed Eve into the relay station, sending the energy beam, which had powered the time gate, sweeping through space. Instantly, the time gate flickered out of existence. The beam cut through everything that crossed its path. The gray mothership tried to take evasive action, but it was too late. The energy beam cut through the outer hull. The tay split in two and instantly depressurized, leaving no one left alive.
1: Did you see that? Whoa! Where's Spin?
2: He followed the bomb through the time gate.
1: The greys are retreating. Guess
3: they've got enough for now.
0: June thirteenth, 1947 was a Friday, but Sheriff Francis F. Baxter wasn't a superstitious man. It had been a quiet afternoon, probably due to the stifling heat that had been scorching the New Mexico desert for weeks. It was simply too hot to get up to any mischief. The orange disk of the sun was just about to set behind the distant mountains when Sheriff Baxter noticed something strange in the sky.
1: Sheriff Baxter here. I'm gonna drive over to the Captain Mountains. Saw so four streaks of light in the sky. I'm gonna go to check it out. Over. <laughs> Copy that. Bring me back a Martian scout. Over.
0: High up in the stratosphere above the New Mexico desert, three ships chased a glowing green ball of death as it fell to Earth. One was piloted by Spin Braddock. The others were manned by greys, who had a simple objective. Take out Spin's fighter and make sure the bomb destroyed all life on the human homeworld.
1: Damn it, that
2: was too close a comfort. I have to shake them off my tail. There's a cloud just below me.
0: Suddenly, Spin's craft dropped out of sight and disappeared inside the cloud. The gray pilots checked their scanners, but Spin's fighter was nowhere to be seen. As they passed the cloud, Spin dropped down behind them and took one of them out with a well-aimed blast. The gray ship spun out of control and collided with his wingman, sending both of them plummeting to Earth. They dragged long trails of smoke behind them as they crash-landed in the middle of the New Mexico desert. But Spin had a far bigger problem. During his skirmish with the Grey Fighters, he had lost sight of the bomb that was still on its way to kill his homeworld. He had to stop it by any means.
2: Where are you? Where are you, damn it? There, just below me. Let's see what you say to my blasters. No effect. The bomb just absorbed the blasts. What am I supposed to do now? I have to stop it from touching the surface of the planet. Think, think.
0: Really? That's the best idea you've got? Okay then! It was a stupid, reckless, boneheaded idea that would never work. It was also the only thing that Spin could think of. He dropped his fighter below the bomb and matched its speed so that it was hovering directly above him. Both fighter and bomb were still plunging to the ground at breakneck speed, but relative to each other, they weren't moving at all. Then Spin activated his ejector seat. As the seat catapulted him into the air, Spin grabbed the bomb and held onto it for dear life. The outside of his spacesuit was made of a sterile material, so the bomb had no biomatter to react with. His parachute opened and he glided safely to Earth. In the distance, his old fighter collided with the ground in a ball of flames. Spin lay on his back, clutching the glowing ball in his arms. As if it sensed that the ground was near, the alien device pulsed with an angry green light. Oh, that was close.
1: Stop right there, young fellow. Now turn around, slowly. Okay, hands in the air, buster. Later after... Now drop that thing on the ground nice and easy.
2: Uh, I, I can't do that.
1: What was that? The, look, you don't understand. It's dangerous. Drop it, boy. I'm gonna count to three. One. True. three, all right, all right.
0: Spin bent his knees and moved the bomb closer to the ground. But when the glowing ball was inches from the desert sand, he snapped up his arms and threw it in the air as high as he could. Sheriff Baxter was so surprised that he looked up at the green ball. Spin used the momentary distraction and punched the sheriff right on the chin. The sheriff went down like a sack of potatoes. Spin looked up at the bomb. It had passed its zenith and was on its way down. It had been a bad throw. Spin would never catch it. Earth was doomed. Spin ran. He ran faster than he'd ever run before. When that wasn't fast enough, he slid the last few meters on his belly. He would never have caught the bomb if he hadn't taken his helmet off held it in his outstretched hand, and used it as an impromptu baseball glove. The bomb landed snugly inside. Spin's face was scarred and caked with dust. He was stranded on an alien world, eons in the past. He had barely survived a space battle, a crash landing, and a run-in with local law enforcement. He held instant global destruction in his hands. Spin looked to his left and saw endless desert. He looked to his right and saw the same. Then Spinbraddock laughed. No one quite remembered when the rundown bar in the dodgy part of town had opened its doors. It was right around the time when the strange lights had appeared in the sky. Most people avoided Braddock's bar. There was something shifty about the proprietor. a faraway look that seemed to stare right through you when he took your order. Someone suggested he was a Russian spy sent here to investigate the recent UFO activity. His accent sounded mighty queer, after all. And soon, his place was known as the Commie Bar. The only regulars were Emmett and Begley, two old timers who didn't give a damn if the barman was a communist, as long as the beer was both cheap and cold.
2: How many times do
0: I have to tell you, Emmett, the damn jukebox is broken? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Emmett. It was them alien fellas that broke it. <laughs> You're getting
1: set out, Begley. Ever since that Air Force balloon came down, you've seen aliens everywhere, aliens in the basement. Aliens under the hood of your car.
0: Aliens under your bed. Give me two more, Spin. One day you'll see I'm right. They're gonna get you, Emmett. They're gonna take you up onto them flying saucers. and They're gonna cut you up into little itty-bitty pieces and feed you to their alien dogs. <laughs>
1: well, I never told you this. But I know exactly where those aliens are right this minute. I saw them coming down from the sky with my own two eyes. Ain't that right, Spin? Huh? Them aliens are in your head. (laughs) See? The damn thing is working.
0: Emmett's rant was cut short by a spaceship crashing through the window. The blizzard parked right in the middle of Braddock's bar. The dust settled around Emmett and Begley, who looked slack-jawed at the enormous spacecraft. A hatch opened and Jenner and Garvey appeared in the doorway. Spin continued to clean glasses as if nothing had happened. Of
2: all the bars on all the planets in all the spiral arms of the galaxy, you had to crash into mine.
3: Spin! We missed you too. Sorry it took so long. We had to repair the time gate and then figure out how to reprogram it. Looks like we were off by a couple of
0: months. Spin grabbed the helmet, which still contained the bomb from behind the bar, and threw his dish towel to his only patrons.
1: Where are you going, Spin?
0: Home. Oh, to Russia. Begley, I think we all know I'm
2: not from Russia. I'll see you around.
1: Spin, wait. What is it? Dad and I, we're not coming.
3: What? We've decided to stay, Spin. Look around. It's Earth. Alive, breathing, before humans ventured into space. We'll have the chance to experience history with our own eyes. you sure? I've never been so sure about anything in my life.
1: It won't be forever. You can come and get us in a couple of months.
2: Well, I guess this is goodbye then, for now.
3: Thanks, Ben. Thanks for everything.
2: I think I have to thank you.
3: Ben, we've got to leave before law enforcement gets here.
2: Professor, Jenna, help yourself to the cash in the register. Good luck, we'll come back to get you.
1: was a spaceship. Told you. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> the blizzard swooped over the city of Roswell and zoomed off into the night sky. She passed through the time gate and disappeared. Our heroes had succeeded. They had found and saved the ancient human homeworld. but the gray was still out there. The search for good old planet Earth was only the beginning of their adventures.
1: 51 research station. The date is June fifteenth, nineteen forty-seven. The time is nine fifteen p.m. Subject is a large humanoid creature. I'm going to start with an incision into the thorax. Take a look at the internal organs. That's funny. <coughs> it's alive! My God, the thing is alive! Ah, ah, ah.
3: Destination Earth is written and directed by Patrick McGinley. It stars Jerry Redford, Jet Tattersall, Jemima Knight, and Peter McCallum, and is narrated by Francis Edwards. Music by Silke Matspol. It was recorded at Sydney Sound Brewery by recording engineer John Resk. If you enjoy Destination Earth, please tell your friends about it, and like and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Reviews and comments are very much appreciated. On Twitter, we are at Earth Audio. We are Destination underscore Audio on Instagram, and you can find us on the web at DestinationEarthAudio.com. Thanks for listening.